Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. Finland's 103. Hello and welcome to Health and Fitness with me, David Hollywood. Coming up on this week's show, sport, adventure and community well-being. Shortly, we're going to meet a Tullamore man who's been around the world on a motorbike. He's walked coast to coast in Ireland and next month he's getting on his push bike to raise money for the homeless and the accommodation crisis. We recently featured Mullingar Rugby on their determination to get young girls involved in the game. We're broadening that out and talking to Leinster Rugby about developing the sport in the region. And you meet the man tasked with fortifying the physical, social, emotional and psychological health of people in Offaly through Gaelic games. But first, let's go to the story of Declan McAvoy and Alexei Sabotin. How far would you go for your fellow man? These guys are going to go pretty far. Declan joins us on Health and Fitness to explain. Well, David, you know, it was a bit of a crazy idea that came together some years ago. Actually, if you look back as far to COVID time, and you might remember everybody was walking within their 5k and so on you know Mm. and uh, my wife and I equally we were doing all of that walking and one particular idea we had then uh, you know when restrictions lifted was oh I wonder would it be possible to walk across Ireland and long story short we walked from Salt Hill to the 40 foot in Dublin it took 11 days (laughs) and uh, of course after that walk you're always kind of deciding god if we could do that what could we do next So we posed the same question, would it be possible to cycle across Ireland? Well, of course it would, but could you do it in one day? And uh, for us, like we we are not cyclists per se. We don't even own one of these fancy racing bikes. We just have a kind of simple uh, three or four hundred euro bikes. I think they call them hybrids. And the idea was, could we start maybe again in Salt Hill as we did with walk and then finish at the 40 foot in Dublin? So it was interesting because I have a very good cycling friend, actually, in Tullamore. And uh, I, I asked him, I said, because I'm I'm about 60, I'm in my early 60s. I said, do you think I could do this, you know? And I asked him, I said, what's the furthest you've ever cycled in a day? And he told me 175 kilometers. Yeah. So I said, whoa, well, the distance we're looking at in one day is 245. And I asked, do you think I would be capable maybe of doing that in a day on a, on a kind of a hybrid type bicycle and again with no support. And uh, he told me, he said, look, a lot of practice is going to be required. But he said, for now, kick that idea to touch because it's October. We have lost so much daylight. That's a project for summer. So I guess it's a little bit like telling a small child, don't press that red button. <laughs> so I thought about it a bit and I thought, you know, how how unique would it be if we actually did it on mid midwinter's day, you know, just to make the challenge a little bit more tougher. It's a remarkable challenge. Just to touch on the cycling distance there, like 
I would be a fan of watching the Grand Tours in cycling and the distances they take on on those big monster stages are akin uh, to the width of Ireland, let's say. And they are elite level cyclists. So you're taking on the conditions, you're taking on a huge cycle, um, you're taking on, aside from the conditions, the lack of light as well. But apart from that, you're also starting off uh, with, with a swim in the morning at Salt Hill. Am I right with that? Yeah, absolutely, David. Yeah, you know, and again, <laughs> that idea came from another exchange I had. Uh, I was introduced one time to somebody who was a cyclist that cycled from uh, Dublin to Galway. And of course, I was very curious and I asked that person, whoa, you cycled from Dublin to Galway. Where did you begin? And I was told in Leakslip. And I was thinking, mm, that's a bit strange. And, and where did you finish? And the finish was in Gort. Ah. And I was thinking, that's kind of not really uh, <laughs> Dublin to Galway. OK, it's County Dublin to County Galway. But I think I'm probably a person of extremes. And uh, if I'm setting out to do something, it's going to be done properly. So the idea really was to say, look, at if we swim in the sea on one side and swim again in the sea on the other side, well, then there's no doubt that it's been the entire way across the country, you know. You've talked us through how you arrived at the conviction to do this. You're not doing it on your own. You have a partner. What's his motivation? Talk to us about uh, the, the the man who's going to be taking on this cycle with you. So, uh, David, as you well know, we have this really, really big homeless thing going on in Ireland. And uh, we're under a lot of pressure with, I think, 70,000 70, Ukrainians if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I tapped into the Ukrainian community in Ennis, where I live now. And uh, I just wanted to have a Ukrainian on board, I suppose, to help us really with the social media push. And I found a lovely young guy called Alexei Subotin, very, very much up for it. And his situation indeed is you know, quite unfortunate, as indeed with all Ukrainians here in Ireland. And his motivation really was to, you know, I suppose in it's his way of kind of saying thank you to the Irish people and the Irish government uh, for the help and support that he and his colleagues have received since the beginning of that crisis. And he feels that, whoa, this is maybe a possibility for me to uh, try and give something back. And of course, the whole idea of it being for the Simon community uh, meant a lot to him. I was just going to say, it obviously marries up conceptually very well with the fact that the Simon community are on board as your chosen charity. So uh, really uh, to have somebody as part of your team of two that uh, are di- directly involved in the process that's subsumed and, and involved so many countries in Europe and beyond in terms of taking on people who are fleeing the conflict in Eastern Europe. Um, and of course, indigenously, we have our own problem with housing as well. So you must be thrilled to be able to do this for the Simon community. Uh, absolutely, David. You know, um, I suppose, look, at really, to be honest, I'd look back on my own life. I mentioned to you I'm in my early 60s and, you know, uh, I've been incredibly privileged to be able to do some of the things I've done, uh, as indeed I think by and large most of us here in Ireland are, thank God. And, uh, you know, you don't have to look too far to find uh, people who are, you know, simply don't have a bed at night. And uh, it's easy for us to do this. You know, we we feel it's a really good cause. And, uh, you know, I've done such projects before for the Simon community and like a small amount of money really can go an awful long way, you know, in terms of... uh, you know, the soup runs that they do at night time or the idea of buying a sleeping bag for someone. So 
you know, it's it's really good. As I say, small money can do a lot of things. And with our particular fund, like 100% of what goes into it will go to Simon. Uh, any of the logistics and the advertising campaigns we're trying to do, we'll take the cost uh, of that ourselves as our small way of, of contributing as well. Great credit to you for that. And I will give this out again before the end of our chat. But since we're on the topic now, idonate.ie forward slash coast to coast for Simon. That's right, uh, Declan, is it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one. If you think of the, the, the number two and the number four, so it's coast to coast for Simon. But in any event, if you look at idonate.ie and just write in coast to coast for Simon, it'll be the first top of the list. Okay, and that's that's how you can uh, get involved if you're listening this evening or on podcast health and fitness and you want to support uh, Declan and Alexi in uh, their remarkable journey across the width of Ireland. So you're obviously both amateur cyclists. You're on two regular bikes. The conditions could be whatever. And um, what kind of preparation are you doing for this event? We're we're going. You're going on the twenty first of December. That's uh, correct, isn't it? Yeah, David, it's the 21st of December, it's midwinter's day and we're starting in Salt Hill, as I say, at half past five in the morning with a with a sea swim. Although, to be honest, it's probably more like a, a, a head under and back out again. And uh, yeah, 247 kilometres across the country. You know, like, uh, as I say, I did do this before three years ago with my wife. Hmm. And uh, you really, really, really need to prepare. We are not cyclists. So, you know, we've been kind of upping our mileage each week and each weekend tomorrow we're planning you know maybe about an 80 kilometer round trip kind of a stint next weekend actually there's a charity event on in our own community and uh, that's a 130 kilometer event it's a little bit i suppose like running a marathon you know they say a marathon is what 26 miles you know but obviously you'll only ever do the 26 on the day but you need to be approaching you know like about 70 percent of the distance in advance of the day but more the challenge for us really is you know like we've promised to do it wind rain snow shine however and uh, the thing is just to be able to protect ourselves from getting drowned to the skin having enough battery power in our torch we, we reckon like we'll be about 13 hours in darkness nine hours in daylight so it's the it's the preparation of all of those logistics you know uh you know totally crazy thing the other night uh, the wind was beating off the window about 10 o'clock at night time. And I contacted Alexi and I said, hey, are you up for 40K on a November uh-huh. evening in the spilling, spilling rain? But, you know, that's very good preparation because I arrived home and I was quite wet kind of here and there. And then you're thinking, OK, so I'm wet here and there. How do I fix this so that on the day we will be OK? So a lot of it is 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 forecasting the problems that you should troubleshoot and putting yourself in those conditions if you can do in in the build up uh, to to this event. On one level, obviously, it's a big challenge. It's probably an intimidating challenge. But on another level, it must be quite exciting. And uh, this 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 feeling of a great a great moment for yourself and Alexi on the horizon. Um, so aside from the anxiety, there must be a, a fair bit of excitement involved in the build up as well. Uh, I th- I think, David, without a doubt, you know, I, I'm a kind of person that I, I love projects. Uh, so I really like the whole idea of the build up and the preparation and doing the, all that has to be done to make sure it'll happen on the day. And no doubt it will be intimidating in Galway at half past five on midwinter's morning with 245 odd K in front of us. But uh, 
uh, I know from doing stuff like this before. I think by the time we roll into Athlone, okay, we're well on our way. By the time you get to Kilbegan, uh, you know, you're you're nearly you're more thinking about the finish line and hey, there's a good chance we're going to be able to do this, you know. And of course, not to mention the absolutely huge afterglow mm. that we will experience at uh, the forty foot standing there at half past two in the morning. Uh, it will be fantastic, and of course for Simon as well, we're hoping it'll be equally equally a fantastic event. Have you spoken to people in Simon? Are they enthused about you doing this? I I, I know speaking to. Docus last week they were on health and fitness and uh, there was a guy who was doing 40 consecutive jiu-jitsu bouts uh, to celebrate his 40th birthday to raise money for the cancer support service and they said they love these events and it, it's a great celebration and a great way to profile and highlight the charity I imagine Simon are thrilled when these propositions get put to them uh, I think so David without a doubt like it personally I think myself the more crazy the event is that the more traction that you'll be able to get for Simon and so on. And this is a rather crazy event. And I have spoken with them. They're very excited about it. Uh, and I think it even back to about two years ago, I did another kind of stupidly crazy event, which was to ride 1,000 miles on a motorcycle in under 24 hours. And again, Simon were really, they loved that event. And uh, luckily enough, that got done in about 22 and a half hours. And yeah, as I say, it was a great buzz for me. It was a great buzz for Simon. And uh, yeah, I do. I think I definitely think the more crazy the event is, the more excited people get about it, you know. Yeah, you're 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 not unfamiliar to the uh, crazy uh, expression of adventure. Uh, Talk to us about the around the world trip you did as well. I was reading about this and um, it sounds like you must have come across an almighty collection of anecdotes and incidents. We don't have time for that, obviously. But generally, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah. Was surreal, really. You know, it was a journey I made uh, over eight years. Uh, simply took ten weeks off work, David. Uh, and again, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that every year for eight years. Ten weeks. I just said, "Look, don't pay me. I'm gone for ten weeks." And uh, that it was a motorcycle that left Ireland. I think the first year I made it to Kyrgyzstan. Next year to Alaska. Next year to Costa Rica. Next year to the bottom of South America. Then it was over to Johannesburg and. Uh, then up through Angola, uh, on up to the west coast of Africa, uh, and back across to Gibraltar, back home to Ireland in about eight years. Yeah, it was something crazy like uh, 92,000 kilometers, uh, five continents, 58 countries uh, over an eight year period on a motorcycle that I bought for a thousand euro. That is remarkable. There's a question I definitely want to ask off the back of what you've just said there of what you and Alexei are doing to highlight um, the appreciation the Ukrainian community have towards those who are putting them up here is that you've seen so much humanity and different cultures across the world and particularly since a lot of your adventures the world has gone into a place of great conflict in certain areas what's your observations about the people that you came across like are we all very different do we all have more commonalities than you expect are there any um, tokenistic generalisms that we can end on yeah well I I would say definitely without a shadow of a doubt we live in a pretty bloody decent place we really do we we like to complain about it a lot but we are doing pretty okay Okay. Uh, from what I've seen uh, certainly I've seen so much poverty in many, many different nations around the world. But I have to say that people, by and large, are terrific wherever you go. 
uh, and and I've been so taken in by the kindness of people uh, in all parts of the world, you know. And I would simply say that, you know, it's regrettably it's the the politics and the governments of the various countries that paint the color of it. But at the end of the day, all people are by and large terrific. I think that's a suitable note to end this on. Just to highlight once again, if you want to support uh, Declan McAvoy and Alexi Sabotin in their trip across the country in aid of the Simon community, idonate.ie forward slash coast to coast for Simon and coast to coast. That's a two numerical and a four Simon is four numerical. Declan, thanks so much for joining us on Health and Fitness this evening. Um, if anyone wants to uh, uh, get out and cheer you on in the Midlands, you're going through uh, Athlone and Kilbegan. Um, so the very best of luck with it all. And we might even catch up with you afterwards. David, very good. Lovely to speak with you. Leinster Rugby's Community Rugby Officer in the Midlands joins us next. Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods. Now, the Rugby World Cup is done and dusted. South Africa took the Webb Ellis uh, Trophy home once again, I suppose, back-to-back world champions now. And the focus goes on to the uh, provincial game, the AIL, and for many children across uh, the country and Leinster and, of course, the Midlands, uh, the World Cup is uh, quite separate from uh, their uh, preoccupation with rugby. And uh, I'm very glad to say that someone who might uh, be well across uh, how the sport is developing and uh, the level of participation of young people across uh, the Midlands region is a um, a community rugby officer for uh, Leinster Rugby in the Midlands region. Patsy Gorman joins us to talk rugby on health and fitness uh, this evening. Patsy, uh, thanks very much for taking our call on the show this evening. No problem at all, David. Good to chat to you. Talk to us about what your role as as a um, community rugby officer for Leinster entails in the region. You might talk us through uh, kind of the the uh, the working week that you might have with them. Yeah, well, David, my my role uh, as you detail there is community rugby officer in the Midlands region. Um, so I work with closely with the clubs in the area. We have eight clubs in the area at the minute, and we would have development officers in each of the clubs. So we'd have a community rugby officers calling around to primary schools in the area and secondary schools in the area. Um, and we promote the game through a version of tag rugby within the primary schools. Within the secondary schools, we'd have a, a number of competitions for boys and girls um, in the contact arena. So at the minute, um, we would cover a catchment area across uh, Longford, Westmead and Offaly. Um, so my day-to-day would probably um, entail working with different schools and clubs within that area and supporting the staff that I have on the ground um, in promotion and participation of the game. What about when you're on the ground at these schools? Do you observe ever people have preconceived notions of what rugby is or would be like to to play and then you get a game going, uh, be a tag or otherwise, and then maybe you see uh, there's a realisation there of what's, what it's like to play the sport. Um, do you find that there's a dynamic that exists along those lines? Yeah, look, I suppose most people's reference point, and you alluded to that start of the conversation there, is TV rugby. So it's, it's uh, in our region, it would be Leinster um, and Ireland that kids would see and parents would see. So when we discuss rugby, say, in primary school or even in secondary school or to non-rugby players, um, parents and sometimes adults uh, with those kids would view it as, you know, uh, Johnny Sexton type players or Bundy Aki and stuff like that. Mm. So what we were able to do on the ground is introduce the kids 
to the rugby ball, to the core principles of go forward and pass and use tag, tags in that, that arena. And then <clears throat> the follow from that is that we link in with our local clubs. So we'll signpost children into the local club if they want to learn how to tackle and be part of the contact game. And I think then the buy-in over the last number of years I've been involved has been massive in the Midlands region. And the game has really grown. I was going to ask you that. You've noticed an, uptake, an uptake and um, there's been a, a, an increase in participation in this region. Yeah, look, I'm even, even on the ground, we would have uh, eight clubs across the region, across the three counties. Five of those would be based in Offaly. Um, and at added level of those clubs, we would have 15 men's teams and seven fem- female te- teams for women's rugby. We've really seen a growth in the game amongst the, the younger age group. So, like, in region of 1,700 boys play club rugby within the, in the area and 600 girls. Um, boys and youth teams, we'd have over 100 teams in the area as well. The other kind of thing we see is that um, we've introduced inclusive rugby to the region. Mm. So we would have four, four adult inclusive rugby teams on the go in Tullamore, Mullingar, Eden Derry and Ross Gray, um, which is excellent. Like, um, I suppose in my role and, and with the the club community rugby officers, our role is to get people involved in the game at all levels. So there has been a great buy-in from clubs in the region to offer rugby for boys and girls, men and women, and those inclusive rugby teams as well. Well, it's funny you mentioned that we had Paula Lafferty from Mullingar Rugby on uh, Health and Fitness uh, just last week, and she was talking about how rugby helps promote character, integrity, and specifically respect. Uh, would that, those be uh, kind of uh, key benefits of the sport that you would recognise? And uh, from your own perspective, if there's anyone considering uh, bringing their kid forth to, to play the game, uh, what kind of other benefits do you think are out there for people who do play rugby? Well, obviously, within our region, um, and um, Mullingar included, Paula's done a great job down there in the, in the female arena with the, the senior women. Um, but... What we would notice particularly, and I've noticed myself in the last number of years, um, when I'm talking to coaches of the game, so we would run coaching courses and coaching workshops throughout the season mm. uh, for clubs. But we noticed that the conversation in coaches now is all around the, you know, the kind of sporting philosophy, the discipline, the inclusiveness, the fun element. Um, and it's very far removed from the kind of result-driven um, competitive edge. Um, We've done a couple of surveys over the last number of years with parents and some of the feedback we've got is that the the structure of rugby, the team support, the reliance on your teammates and the respect that it entails in that contact version um, really stands to the kids. Um, it's very interesting, isn't it? And um, I imagine... If it continues on that trajectory, it's uh, going to become a more and more attractive sport to a lot of people in the region. Talk to us about the objectives behind the work that you're doing. Obviously, increasing participation in rugby is is presumably one of the bottom lines. Uh, but uh, what are the other outcomes that yourself or Leinster Rugby are, are looking to see uh, through the work that you do? Yeah, look, we've, we've a couple of pillars that, that we align to uh and that's from the grassroots the whole way up. So we, we focus on, uh, obviously, player development. Um, we have player development pathways for players. So in, in club, club players, we would have um, an under-16 Shane Horgan competition for boys, which would be uh, provincial-wide. And we would have an under-18 uh, Sarah Robinson's competition for girls, 
which is provincial wide. So what we do is we would offer um, development opportunities to some players, boys at, at the age of under 15 and girls at the age of under 16 and upwards, and we would take them into a program where they would train once a week um, in our centre, and we would develop them both on and off pitch, strength and conditioning, um, technical, tactical, and some lifestyle. Um, so that's in the player player development pathway. So that's one thing we'd have to, have to look after. And like, I suppose some names would have come through that club system into senior rugby, mm. like Secure Frawley, Tyke Furlong, Sean O'Brien, Joey Carberry, and even Mikey Millen and, and uh, Peter Dooley down further. Um, that that's that side. The other pillar then would be kind of the coach education. So we would work with coaches of players from under six the whole way to adult. And again, we try to align those philosophies and work on those for technical, tactical lifestyle. So to get the coaches to buy in and offer a consistent kind of quality and uh, a, a purposeful uh, type of coaching to the age group they're at. Um, because you do have to tailor what you're doing to the development of the player depending on the age group you're involved in. Sure. Um, we, we have a unique kind of um, program we're starting this season in the area. It's an initiative called Working with Parents in Sport. So it's a new initiative we have where we're going to run a series of workshops um, dealing with parents and coaches of young children. And I suppose, to, without getting too detailed about it, the talk and that would be how adults should really behave and handle themselves around young players. Okay. And And, and is that specific to... Uh, parents watching on and their 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 um conduct on on the touchline or or how they should be supporting them at home or or a, a, a more broad kind of global approach. It's it's basically it'll be centered from the coach's viewpoint out to the parent and the parent inwards. So we we open it up to parents to attend and primarily coaches to attend. So the, to give an example, like some of the things that we'd find is sideline behavior. Yeah. So, so how do, do coaches um, of different personalities and strengths deal with, say, you know, overeager parents or um, a little bit of sidelining discipline and stuff like that? So that's part of the program. Another part of it from a parent's point of view would be that um, journey home chat. So that car journey home mm. chat you have with your child. Um, and I'll give you an example. At a recent coaching course that I delivered, um, one of the, the coaches who happened to be a parent as well, we briefly discussed this topic and he offered up the anecdote that he had gone away with his child who was under 12 and they went to play a match. And when he got into the car on the way home, the, the game didn't go the way he hoped. When he got the car on the way home, he asked his son, uh, well, what did you think of that? And in the coach's words, he was waiting for a big rugby chat and the child said, that he thought the hot dogs after the match were lovely. <laughs> so, I love that. So it's to tr- yeah, so it's to try and align our own adult <laughs> perception down to that level, you know. Uh, I, what are the I important think, things in life? You know? I think that's such a good idea. And like in terms of player development, it's actually, you know, I think we can all cast our minds back to remembering the conversations we've had with our parents in cars after games. It, it sticks with you for some reason and it, it, it will have a fundamental influence on how you develop your relationship with any sport. Um, so it's great to hear that Leinster Rugby have got that level of granular focus on development. And uh, it sounds like, you know, 
as well there's there's enough nuance there because you want to have values that cascade through the levels of rugby in this country but as you say you have to adjust as you go through the levels based on who and what you're dealing with your interest and passion for the sport comes through Patsy over the the, the phone here this evening and um, tell us how did you get into this role uh, what 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 drew you towards it um well I suppose my my uh, my journey into the role was um I started rugby myself as a young child um, and played the game. I went off then into a kind of a professional career, not rugby. And then, like so many people in the country in 2009-2010, when the, the Great Recession arrived, um, I came to a crossroads. Um, and I had been offered a position as a CCRO due to my interest in the game. But uh, obviously at the time, my, my lifestyle and everything was aligned to the career I had. So I I said, no, I couldn't sustain it. So then rolled forward a year and I was still doing some uh, part-time consultancy work and stuff. And the role was offered again. And I took it for three months. I said, I'll, I'll do the, the CCO, CCRO role in the schools for three months. And here I am 13 years later. Got bitten by so, the bug pretty quickly. Yeah, look, it's always been, I suppose, what I learned quite quickly, I've always been involved in rugby in my local club, and I've I've been from a child uh, right through to adult and then through straight through to coaching and the whole lot. And I suppose in my professional life, I would have held management roles and stuff like that. And I just found that so many of the things that, you know, um, are accredited to rugby in terms of that discipline, organisation, team sport, the place for everybody, um, value the person uh, in my management professional side you know they're all qualities you look you look for in employees and you look to lead as a manager you know so it was an easy fix um, and you know over a couple of years I got promoted then and I've been this role now for maybe seven years eight years um, so uh, yeah look I see I see a lot of uh a lot more people now, when I go back to my time, uh, even 13 years ago, I see an awful lot more people now involved in the game from participation, from fan base, from conversation. When I go out now, so many people want to talk about Leinster or talk about Ireland or talk about the Lions or whatever. Whereas I suppose if I go back a good number of years, you wouldn't have been having those conversations. Yeah. Um, there's also... Uh, a massive growth recently for for us in the the girls game. Um, like there's a lot of a lot of our local clubs now have girls teams for young girls and the quality of the players coming through now. And I think it's probably in our region a lot of our players are dual sports players, you know. Um, and I think you can see the level of coaching in all sports has come up within the the last few years. That you're you're getting young people in now who want to learn and want to know more um, it's more of a partnership between the coach and player now as opposed to uh, a tell you know uh, coaches kind of tell less and teach more at the minute you know certainly sounds like it's a case of a rising tide is lifting all boats in a lot of respects there and uh, I'll just finish up on the point that you made as you were talking to us there about how um there's a space for everybody in rugby and it's great that someone in your role uh, developing the sport in the region of the Midlands uh, has those values in mind and obviously Leinster Rugby too. Uh, Patsy, I much appreciate you talking to us on health and fitness this evening. That's great, David. I love to chat.
Next on Health and Fitness, we hear about the GAA and the work they're doing to embed a healthy philosophy in parishes across the Midlands. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. Midlands 103. Now, the Healthy Club project is a initiative by the GAA to help clubs explore how they support the holistic health of their members and the communities that they serve. On Health and Fitness this evening, I'm very glad to say that uh, joining me in studio is Liam Hackett, Chair of the Offaly Health and Wellbeing Committee. Uh, Liam, thanks for coming in to us. You might tell us about the Healthy Club project in the GAA. How did this come about? How long has it been about? Well, the Healthy Club project is about for, for the last 10 years. And even prior to that, it was developed out of uh, a, a situation where uh, each county had um, uh, alcohol and substance abuse officers and it developed from, from that into a healthy club. So it, it took in more than, than just alcohol and substance abuse. It looked at the, the healthy club in, or the, the club in, in, in general. OK, so it's 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 been around for a period of time. It's been altered and changed and developed, I suppose, is the best way to put it. Uh, from your perspective over uh, Offaly's uh, health operations, as it were, what is the typical day-to-day work or week-to-week work that occupies you in your role in that respect? Well, I suppose from from my role as a healthy club officer for the, for the county um, and our chair of the health, health and wellbeing is, uh, I suppose, signposting assisting the clubs in their development in in the healthy club area and also signposting signposting events and also uh, I suppose encouraging clubs to put uh, uh, policies and procedures like critical instance plans alcohol and substance abuse policies and and so forth in in place in your time in the role in your time observing the healthy club project uh, what have you observed in terms of the development of the initiative and, I suppose, its effectiveness over the years? Yeah, well, when it started, I suppose, like like anything, it was it was a new initiative, and um, I, I would say maybe the, the first mistakes was there was a number of you were asked to do a number of different projects in the year, and what what uh, happened there was. Um, I suppose clubs delved in and and took on a, a large number of projects, but didn't de- de- develop or work closely on one. So what has developed there is now the aim is that you pick one, two, or three projects for the year, and you concentrate on those. You get those out of the way, and then you move to to the other projects. Okay, you're doing other little bits as well, but you have main projects. That's the big development from uh, when, when it started out first. So what we're talking about there is like what's practically possible for members of a GAA club versus just getting as much done as possible and having the biggest numbers they've managed to maybe correct that uh, path and direction. What about the effects on the ground? Do you see and observe clubs being healthier, happier places for people in the community to be in? Almost definitely in the in the sense that look at all clubs, whether they are healthy clubs or not, are doing lots of of of, of initiatives yeah. that are in the healthy uh, sphere. However, when you have a project going, it means that you develop. You you actually take on um, the projects you have, you develop, and you maintain them, 
And I suppose the, the other thing then is that you, you look at other, you're always looking at new opportunities, plus the fact that you're looking at other clubs to see what they're doing. And and that's just not uh, locally, but nationally. And that's where I suppose the, the, uh, the healthy, the, the county structure works because we feed back in to national. Mm. And uh, so you have that, that link from right down from the community health department in Grow Park, right down to the county committee, right down to the, to the, to the clubs. So I think that de- develops. And like there's, there's, uh, lots and lots of sim- sometimes simple, very simple little projects that you can do and, um, you know, get recognition for it. And I suppose that's what the Healthy Club is about, is getting that recognition for what, in a lot of cases, what you're doing, but to try and do it better. The recognition as well can really spur people on in that respect. And I think it's interesting that you pointed out something that the GAA is already doing, and that's really feeding healthy leisure pursuit back into the community and on health and fitness whenever we feature GA it's something that we do dwell on is the potential massive impact Gaelic games can have in this country on a health basis and a fitness basis because there's no sport that's so embedded in every parish as as the GAA is so with the, the healthy project as well it's a real chance to focus in on that quality about the association itself it is, yes. And I suppose the, the, the big thing about the, the, this element of the GA, we, we look at the GA as being the on-field activities, but it, there's a lot more to the GA than on-field activities. And uh, the, the, this project is run by the Community and Health Department of the GA, which is not uh, uh, actively the sports department as such, but it is the community department. And that's the most important thing because of the clubs that have got involved in the healthy clubs, it's the clubs that have actually looked out and not in. Mm. So in other words, they have looked out to the community and got people involved in the community that would not have the involvement in the sports side of it. And they have uh, developed, and I'm not talking about professionals here, I'm talking about the ordinary everyday people, uh, including the professionals, who can give something into the club. And that in itself, it creates, it, it expands the club, it expands the membership, it expands the the fitness element that we, we kind of look at just being with the players. Mm. But now it's, an, it, it's, it's expanded out to the community as well. Yeah, I think for people on the outside looking in, that aspect of the GA became more apparent even during the pandemic when suddenly people were walking around the clubs uh, to get their exercise in when they were limited to their travel distance and all this type of thing. And um, you talk about all the initiatives and programs uh, and the project. What are some of the real real world examples that are happening here in Offaly in terms of um, uh, healthy club projects that have been taken up and carried out successfully? Well, there's there's numerous there's, there's this, the simple ones that clubs have developed uh, walking tracks, and they are open to the community. and And particularly, we look at we're essentially a rural community, and that's very important because if if you're out in the rural community, you don't have streetlights to walk around, you don't have somewhere safe to walk. So that's that's the the, the, the one of them. Uh, you also have um, you know dietitians uh, that so you can look at at, at dietary um, information coming in and look at it's it's about it can be uh, uh, from there, there has been uh, boccia 
is something that has 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 developed. Boccia, tell us what boccia is. Well, boccia is 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 I suppose a sport that's played on uh, a, a field. Just it's a bit like bowls, but it's uh, it's something that that is not. Extremely well. I won't say not not competitive because everything turns out to be competitive. <laughs> it's not supposed to be competitive, but but um, generally uh, uh, older people uh, play it. It's it's a it's a skillful game. It's basically very like bowls, but uh, and and it 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 can take up you know quite a number of hours of of enjoyment. And again, with with not huge physical activity, but it gets the person out. And from a mental health perspective, it gets to mix in with other people as well. Talking to you, your enthusiasm for your role and your responsibility comes across. Um, how did you end up in a position where you're the health and well-being chair of, uh, for Offaly and um, leading this kind of project in the county? Well, a number of years ago, I was asked to be uh, to, to, to uh, take up the role as alcohol and substance abuse officer for the county. Mm. And um, that basically, uh, it was a, a role, I suppose, that, that, that uh, involved uh, getting policies in place and, and working with, with Crow Park. And it developed from there, and I suppose that's where the healthy club came from. Because in those roles as as, as alcohol and substance abuse officers, we uh, seen that this really wasn't something that was 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 gaining traction. It got a bit stagnant. So we looked at right. We need to develop this. And in fairness to to Crow Park, they they. The um they did develop it, and then Irish Life came on board in with the healthy club projects so and that that's just developed then that from from an alcohol and substance abuse officer you became a, a chair of the health and wellbeing committee so it's gone from strength to strength in that regard in terms of the amount of development and focus that's been put on it what does it mean to you to do the work that you do then to see the benefit that members of the GA community in Offaly experience by ultimately the delivery of these projects and programmes? Well, it's great to see uh, every age group uh, getting involved. And we talked about Boccia there and, and, and like another project that, that the, the county uh, was involved in at one stage was just a, a, a mile a day for the month of May, which was something that, that uh, we came up with and we did it with a number of schools and basically, the the, the aim was to, that that they would walk in 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 uh, in the mornings, and uh, we did it for 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 the month of May. And so, and I remember that I remember being being in our local school, uh, Boher at the time, and, and and walking around. There was this little girl, and I I'd, I'd say she was hardly five, and she was walking around. And she was at the end of the the, the line. Why? Because she had a big heavy school bag on her and I took it off and we left it down but it showed that from somebody who had just started school to to right through uh, and to, to, to somebody that, that, that was less active uh, was out and enjoying themselves and it's when you see those types of things where you've got people on both ends of the age spectrum that everybody's coming together to do these types of things it really shows up the true value of, of, of what's being done in that respect. Um, the 
recently, Leinster um, GA recognised a number of Offaly clubs uh, in terms of their progress through the uh, Healthy Club project. Yeah, the, 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 um, they're in, on, in the, the last few weeks, uh, Leinster had a recognition night and basically there was there was uh, 11 clubs in Offaly recognised. Um, there was uh, seven uh, were in the foundation phase. I suppose the Healthy Club project is is the, is foundation silver and gold. So there, there was there was seven clubs in the foundation phase, and uh, there was four clubs in the silver phase. Now that's only eleven clubs in the county out of a, a total of forty one. So we would love to see more and more clubs getting involved. And I suppose it's unfortunate in the sense that there's a lot of clubs doing a lot of things. And they actually are not being being recognised for it. These clubs are clubs that are recognised because they have actually stood up and and got involved in the Healthy Club project. And by documenting what they've done, they have put themselves in a position that they have been recognised and that they have an award. And it's it's something that that is 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 brilliant for any club to be recognised at national level to say that right, I am part of a project and. Be the foundation. It's still uh, a, an award, and it's the stepping stone to move to silver and to gold. And it's ultimately about collective self-esteem, and it brings forward that whole idea of, of holistic wellness. Uh, ultimately, the the more people are recognised for the work they do, the more meaning they feel their work has. Yeah, and I, and I talk like I just said, there's eleven clubs. But what we haven't taken into consideration here is how many people have to, are involved in those 11 healthy clubs. And we're not talking about the healthy clubs. We're talking about the, the 11 healthy club communities. So the communities outside of those clubs. So there's a huge amount of, of uh, involvement. And, and that's like every club that's involved will bring in uh, and will will provide a service and maybe an initiative to lots and lots of people in the community. The halo effect ultimately, isn't it? Um, it is. Liam Hackett, uh, much appreciate you coming into us today on Health and Fitness, Chair of the Offaly Health and Wellbeing Committee and the project here in the Faithful County. Thanks again for coming in to talk to us. Thank you very much. That's our lot for this week's show. Before we go, I just want to wish Peter Smith the best in his 40 for 40 challenge tomorrow. 40 consecutive jiu-jitsu bouts is the penalty he's taking for turning 40 years old. It's all to raise funds for Docus Offaly Cancer Support. It starts at 11 in the morning tomorrow at Tullamore SBG. Drop in and support Peter and Docus if you can. Joe Cooney's up next with Country Roads.